0: Jesus, we trust you with every single circumstance going on in our life, God, whether it's big or small, you see, and God, when you see us, you see your kids, and God, there's nothing a dad doesn't want more than to take care of his kids, and so I just pray for every need in this place, if there's a healing that needs to happen in the body, God, we know that uh, we've got some friends and some, uh, some parents, and the house whose families are in the hospital right now or are going through tough times and we just pray for healing in Jesus name God we trust you that even now wherever they are God that you can meet them in that place bring healing God that you can do a miracle you're a God of miracles and so we just speak life right now in Jesus name God we speak healing in Jesus name and we trust that God by your stripes we're healed because of that blood that you shed on the cross, God, for the punishment that you took on yourself. God, we experience the benefits, and so we're so thankful. We're so thankful. Can you just, in your own words, for a couple minutes, just tell Jesus how thankful you are for His grace in your life? Jesus, we we just can't even express how thankful we we are. We don't know where we we would be without you. God, we would be so lost without you, Jesus. God, I thank you for my family. God, I thank you for my friends. God, I thank you for my church. God, I thank you for this life that you've gifted me with. It is such a gift. And we just honor you today. God, we don't want to ever lose sight of how much a a gift this life is. But God, it doesn't end with this life. We get to spend eternity with you just so grateful for that promise. We're so grateful for the assurance, for the security that comes from a relationship with you. And I just pray for every single person in this place that as we give you thanks and as we lift you up, just like your word says, you'll draw near to us. You'll be with us. Emmanuel, God with us. So we just praise you and honor you today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much for worshiping with us today. You can be seated. If you want to, turn around and just say hi to somebody around you. Just kind of look around, see who's there. Welcome them to church today. Isn't it great to be here together and just look people in the eye and say, man, I'm so glad to see you. It's good to be with each other in God's presence. And if you're online with us at home today, we're so thankful that you tuned in. Uh, man, we hope everything's working good. We hope you're you're able to get your connections all secured and and everything's streaming just fine. And we're just so glad that that you watched. And um, if you miss any weeks of church, I just encourage you to jump on MosaicCincinnati.com. Uh, you can follow the links and watch past messages. You can jump on our app. Uh, if you go to uh, whatever your app store is on your device, you can download the Mosaic app. Um, and right now, you could go there and fill out the Connect card, or you can grab one out of the seat back pocket in front of you. Um, and if, especially if this is your first time with us, um, if, you, if you could just fill that out and turn it in when you walk out, you could either drop it in the buckets or take it to the Info Center in the lobby. We'd love to greet you this week and just let you know how thankful we were to have you as our guests. Uh, but my name is Joe, I'm the lead pastor here at Mosaic, and it is such an honor for me to uh, be with you today, bring God's word. Uh, but before we get into that, a couple things I want you to be aware of. First of all, this Wednesday night is Class 101. Um, man, I'm so pumped about the signups. We have over 110 people signed up that are either coming in person or online. And so I just want you to be aware those are... Both options. Um, And so if you signed up online and if you're sitting at home watching right now, uh, just know that uh, tomorrow or Tuesday we will send you an email, our online participants, with all the notes and all the resources that you'll need to participate online. If you come in person on Wednesday night, there'll be childcare. We'll have all the materials ready for you, um, our, our, our council, which is our board and our elders that will be here to greet you, some of our staff. And we just can't wait to see you and share with you uh, what God's put on our hearts for the church. And so uh, really, really, really excited. If you have not yet signed up for Mosaic 101, uh, you can do so either on the Connect card in front of you or you can just jump online and sign up through the website. And uh, we'd love to get you connected. Uh, Also, really excited about this. The the Sunday right after Thanksgiving, November 29th, we're going to do child dedication. Um, And so we already have uh, one little one signed up. And if you want uh, your kids to be dedicated, maybe you're like, man, my kids are already you know, two or three years old, and I never knew that I could dedicate my kids to the Lord. You can still sign them up. And so go on the website, go under events, and you can read all about it. There's a whole explanation there of what child dedication is and the meaning and, and your role as a parent. And so I just encourage you, if you'd like to dedicate your kids, what a great weekend to do it. Hopefully there'll be family in town. that can come uh, to church that Sunday morning and, and watch uh, your little one be dedicated to the Lord. Let's jump in and continue our series today. Um, Steward well. Steward well. Last week we talked about stewarding our time, right? Um, And I talked about how we, uh, you know, I really feel like I can boil my life down to four things that I steward. My time, my talent, which we'll talk about today, my treasure, which is next week, and my influence, right? My time, my talent, my treasure, In my influence. But the definition of stewardship is basically taking care of something that belongs to somebody else, but it's been entrusted to me for a time to manage, to take care of as if I own it, right? How many of you know it's different when you're driving your own car than when you get a rental car? Anybody ever had rental car syndrome where you jump in that car and you're like, man, I don't have to worry about what this car is going to be like after I turn it in. So maybe you punch the gas a little bit more. Maybe you're testing the limits of that machine a little bit more because it's a rental, right? Am I the only one? Okay, I guess I'm the only one uh, that has those kind of thoughts. Forgive me the weaker vessel, right? But time, talent, treasure, and influence. And so we're going to own these things as if they are ours, but all of them come from Jesus, And so like I said, if you missed last week's uh, message, get caught up online. But let's dive into this week's topic, talent. We as a culture love to elevate talented people. Have you noticed? Right? We even love to elevate people that aren't so talented in some areas. And if you've ever seen American Idol, you know what I mean. But especially when you're young, man, you have these talented people up on a pedestal. You know, in my, just to give you a little glimpse into my past, in my bedroom growing up, I, I remember three posters that I had hanging on the wall. One was of Will Clark, which is a, he was a baseball player at that time for the San Francisco Giants. And I don't know why I liked him, but just for some reason, I liked that baseball player, right? I also had a poster of Bo Jackson, right? You remember Bo Jackson, and at that time I think he was playing for the, the White Sox, and, man, he I just remember looking at him and thinking, man, his muscles are going to pop out of his shirt. This guy's amazing, right? And then, of course, I had the obligatory obligatory a poster of Michael Jordan on my wall. How many of you had a poster of Michael Jordan? Anybody? Uh, no? Because we're in Cleveland country, you know, <laughs> the Cavaliers back then. You guys didn't like Michael Jordan because... Of those final series. I remember that growing up. Anyway, we elevate these talented people. We constantly compare. I love what Rick Warren says. He says, when you compare and you compete, you live in defeat. And yet, even though that's true, we do it all the time, so we constantly walk around comparing ourselves to other people and feeling less than. I remember as I grew up and kind of went through the maturing process and, you know, thinking I was really good at some things and then going up against some people who are really great and being, you know, my my inferiority just being in my face. Have you ever had that moment, right? I remember seventh grade basketball. I was uh, probably 80 pounds soaking wet. I was a twig. I was a little dude. Right, And so I show up for the team, and I did not make the A team. And then I show up in eighth grade, and I, I didn't grow at all, I don't think, between seventh and eighth grade. And so as everybody's getting bigger, I'm just staying smaller. And, and I, I'll never forget trying out that eighth grade year, and what happened, I got cut. First time in my life where I was faced with the fact that my talent didn't measure up. Have you ever had an experience like that? It's like comparing gifts the day after Christmas. You ever been there, you go to school the next day after Christmas day, and you're excited to tell your friends what you got, and you tell them what you got, and then there's always that one upper. Anybody ever been around a one upper that always just has to one up you? And sometimes you think they're totally making up, making it up, uh, but they just have to say something better, and then you're, you're left kind of feeling like whatever you had or whatever you have just quite, isn't quite as good. And then there's the thought when it comes to talent, you know, and what you've been given that, you know, talent, if it's never maximized without hard work, that man, if you don't really work it, if you don't give it everything you got, then you'll never be all you could be. And we see these amazing examples of talent, like one that just always stood out to me was Michael Phelps, when he won all those gold medals and you hear about his routine, how he worked out five to six hours a day. I think I heard he slept in like a hyperbaric chamber or something. And he had all this whole entire routine tailored to his life. And it's like, man, that's just mind-blowing. And it feels so unattainable. And so you're kind of left with this feeling that, man, if I'm ever going to be really good at anything, I just don't know if I can do it. And so we settle into this life of just mediocrity. And then we we hear about instances where, like, well, maybe I can attain it. I love uh, Malcolm Gladwell. He's an author. He just writes really thoughtful content. Um, and he he and, and so he wrote this one book called The Tipping Point. Where he talked about the 10,000 hour rule, which basically says if you work at anything for 10,000 hours, you know you can be an expert in that field. And so you're like, well, maybe if I just hit that number and if I just work hard enough, then I can bring my talent up to where it needs to be, wherever that place is. And and if you kind of get the drift as I'm talking about this, you know, you kind of get to this point where you realize that talent itself is relative. It's fickle. Michael Jordan's not the same basketball player as he was, right? You, You get old and the talent goes away. Talent is inconsistent. Just ask, if, if you've been blessed with the amazing blessing of having watched Napoleon Dynamite, just to ask Uncle Rico, Amen. right? Talent is fickle. You know, we're always looking back to yesteryear and what I, what I was in high school, and sometimes we try to live that out through our kids and peewee sports, and, and it's like, Mom, why is Dad so angry? And it's, well, he's just trying to live out his high school days all over again, and it's like talent really gets in the heart. We take it personal, right? Sometimes very talented people succeed. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes people who aren't very talented, they succeed and sometimes they don't. Sometimes very incredibly talented people succeed at the wrong things. But what does talent mean in God's eyes? That's the whole point of this series. We've got these These four things, time, talent, treasure, and influence. But what does they mean to God? When I put all these things through the filter of God's word, where do I land? In Matthew 25, there's a parable called the parable of the talents. And in this particular story, the talents are actually referring to money that the master gave to these servants and and expected them to to work it and to grow it and to take care of it as if it was their own, right? But this whole chapter and the chapter before Matthew 24, Jesus is talking about when he's going to come back. He's talking about his second coming. He's talking about the fact that, man, he's going to go away and he's going to come back and we're going to give an account, which is kind of scary and it's a, it's a topic that these days people don't want to really think about that much. The fact that, man, I'm going to give an account for my life. And why do we not want to talk about that? Because it gets kind of personal. And, and it feels kind of like, man, I don't know if I'm going to measure up. And so Jesus tells this story about this master who gives, he gives one servant five talents, another servant two talents, and another servant one talent, and he goes away. And he says, take care of this while I'm gone. He comes back. The one who was given five doubled it, and he had five more. The one who was given two doubled it, and he had two more. The one who was given one buried his talents under his tent and just presented the one talent back to the master. The first two, the master said, you are faithful with this small amount. Here's more. The third, here's What the servant said to the master. Listen, he said, Master, I knew you were a harsh man. And when I say this part, think about maybe how you might view God. Because how you view God is one of the most important things about you. And so this guy says, Master, I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant and gathering crops you didn't cultivate. I was afraid. Have you ever been afraid when you approach God? So this man he says, I was afraid I would lose your money, so I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. Now this servant was expecting the master to maybe be understanding. Expecting that he was just honest, that he was just tell him what he really thought and then the master would be understanding. But the master was not understanding. And the master looked at that servant and said, you wicked and lazy servant. If you knew that that's how I was, why in the world did you do this? Right? Man, if you've ever wondered if your perspective might be a little bit different than the master's perspective, then it's going to get real. Because sometimes we don't want to think about God as somebody who's going to make us give an account. That's a really, really unpopular thought and idea in our culture today. But the truth is, is that Jesus is coming back. And we're going to have to answer for what we did with what he gave us. And I don't say this with a judgmental tone today. I don't say it condemning you or me in any way. And trust me, as we get into this message, you'll hear the heart behind it. But this is what Jesus said, Matthew 25, 29 through 30. It's in your notes. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Whoa. Man, when we read scriptures like this, we might think to ourselves, man, God, that's a little harsh, isn't it? But it's the reality. And so here's what we get from this parable right off the start. We're given something, we're given talents, and doing nothing with them is not an option. They were responsible for what God gave them, not what God gave someone else. The one that was given two wasn't responsible for the five, he was just responsible with the two. And they were expected to perform. They were expected to work and put in effort and take care of what God had given them as if it was their own. If so, as God, if God is the one that has given me my talent, He owns it. And then the question is today: what does it look like to steward the talents that God has given me well? So let's jump in. Number one. The number one way that we steward. What God has given us is, first of all, we have to believe that I will give an account to God for my talents. We have to believe that we're going to give account to God for my talents. You see, the first two servants in the story today had the right belief about the master. The last one did not. So really what happened with their talents, when you really boil it down, it came to what they believed about the master. The first two had a healthy fear, a healthy honor, a healthy respect of the master. The last had apathy. And, and not only that, he thought he knew better. He thought he knew better. You know, sometimes we kind of hide behind, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm just, I'm just whatever. We give ourselves an adjective. But at the root, man, if we dig down deep inside our, out of our hearts, It's just that we think we know better. Listen, laziness and pride are a deadly cocktail. It's a deadly cocktail. And that's exactly what this last servant experienced. They didn't, he didn't believe the right thing about his master. And so he slipped into a state where he was content being lazy and thinking he knew better than than the master. Listen, it's really hard to serve somebody with a good attitude that you don't respect. And obviously, this last servant didn't respect the master enough to do something with what he had been given. Have you ever had a boss that you didn't respect, and any time they gave you a job that maybe you didn't agree with, you know, once they were gone, the eyes rolled? Anybody? Anybody ever been given a directive by the boss? From the giggles, I know that you know what I mean. And you didn't respect the boss, and so you just rolled your eyes when they left the room. You're like, okay, here we go. Well, hey, have you ever given God an eye roll? Have you ever read a verse and something that he expected you to do? And you're like, okay, yeah, whatever. That's what this servant did to their master. We're going to shift to another character in the Bible named Paul, the Apostle Paul. He wrote more of the New Testament than anybody else. Uh, He wrote 13 books. He was an amazing man, but he wasn't always that way. You see, before Paul was Paul, he was was Saul. He was a Pharisee, and he was the best in his field. He He had excelled. He'd become this Pharisee that was like the model to the other Pharisees. He was the man in the Pharisee world. And just so we're on the same page, Jesus did not like the Pharisees. And so he was excelling in all the wrong areas. He was talented in all the wrong things. He was somebody that everybody else looked to and and was like, man, he's awesome. But God was looking at him and saying, you're not so awesome. Get my drift? And so one day as as he was on mission to go and persecute some believers and maybe put them in prison or see to it that they became martyrs for the cause of Christ, he was on his way to Damascus. And, And read this verse. Acts 9, 3-6, through 6. it says, As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light came down from heaven and suddenly shone, suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. All right? Now, remember, the Pharisees were religious leaders supposedly serving God. And here, the religious leader named Saul was on the ground and Jesus was speaking to him and he was saying, Who are you, Lord? He did not even know the one sent by the one he thought he was serving. You see, before you steward the master's talents in your life, you have to believe he's the master. Using what God has given you begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. Paul had this revelation moment that nothing he did mattered if he was out of alignment with God. That none of his talents, none of his belongings, nothing he would ever have or would ever do would matter if he didn't know Jesus. If his belief was off, his life was off. What you believe about God is the most important thing about you. You see, when Saul's belief about God and his son Jesus changed, it meant a lot for him. And it means a lot for you and me too. You see, if Paul believed that Jesus was Lord, if Paul believed that Jesus was who he said he was, that he really was the Messiah, then think about all the things that Saul had already done in his life that he would now regret. Every stone cast at Stephen, the first martyr of the faith, was a stone cast against God himself. Every home that that Saul had stormed into to look for people that were serving Jesus was a home that truly worshiped God. Every person that had been forcibly dragged out through the streets to jail was a true follower of God. Every woman that had been abused because of Saul's actions was a child of God. Everyone who he had chained and imprisoned was a true servant of God. Every synagogue that he had stormed was a true house of God. Every believer that he had tracked down and persecuted was a true believer. Every person who had been killed Because of Saul's actions, was a charge of murder against Saul. He was. Saul, Saul in this moment, when he was knocked to the ground and Jesus said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? At that moment, because Saul now believed that Jesus was for real, Saul now realized that he was lost. He was truly separated from God and that he was doomed to hell. His life was a total wreck. It was totally devastated at that moment because he had been deceived and misdirected and bent on utter destruction. And you think about it, when you believe that Jesus is who he says he is, it changes everything. And for Saul, it changed a lot. And yet, in spite of all that, and here's the kicker in spite of all that, Jesus still showed up and had mercy on him. Think about that in your context that in spite of whatever you may have believed about Jesus or wherever you've been or whatever you've done, Jesus still shows up and has mercy on you. I can only imagine just the crushing and the brokenness that Saul must have felt at that moment in light of all that he had done and been through. What he must have felt knowing that he was persecuting the one and living, true God. All that he had given his life to thinking he was doing the right thing and it was all broken at that moment. Have you had that crushing moment in your life yet when you realize that Jesus is for real? When you realize God's grace for you when you realize how much he loves you? I tell you what, if you want to maximize your talents and what God has given you, it starts right there. You see, in Saul's own eyes on the road to Damascus he was too far gone but Jesus was calling him Jesus didn't think he was too far gone and he doesn't think you are either and so you can cry out to Jesus just like Saul did today and say who are you Lord who are you Lord you see Saul knew about Jesus but he didn't know Jesus And so you want to maximize your talent today. It's time to believe that Jesus is who he says he was. When Paul believed in Jesus, it changed everything he believed about what was important in life. Because at that moment, he then experienced and believed in a few things. Grace for himself and others. Grace for himself and others. Something that was foreign to him up until that time. I'm going to go on a little rabbit trail right now. This is a time more than uh, any other that I really remember in my life where we need to have grace for ourselves and others. There's so many opinions, there's so many things going around, there's so many ideas, and everybody thinks they're right, right? But as a follower of Jesus Christ, you and I are called to lock eyes with people and thank, thank goodness we're still able to lock eyes. We may might not be able to see everything else, but I can lock eyes with you and know that you're somebody Jesus died for. And because you're somebody Jesus died for, it doesn't matter if our opinions are different, I can love you. I can respect you. I can do what's best for you. And because you know that, I'm somebody Jesus died for. You can reciprocate. And if somebody doesn't act the way I think they should, you know what? Extra grace required. It's okay. I know that I'm an extra grace required person in someone else's life. And I know that you might be an extra grace required person in my life. Anybody else had an EGR in their life? Somebody that just, did, that, you know, necessitates a little bit extra grace? Well, Paul came to this point where he realized he was the EGR. He was the extra grace required person. And so, man, when you believe in Jesus, you've got this grace for yourself and for other people. At that point, Paul crossed over from just self-promotion to Christ promotion. He got a new name. He went from Saul to Paul. And he realized that talent is way more about God than it is about you. Right? Right? It's way more about God than it is about you. When we use our talents for self-interest, it's the misuse of God and his resources, right? And so our talent begins with realizing where it came from. It came from Jesus. And so we got to put our faith and trust in him. Number two, let's, let's, let's keep going. If we're going to maximize our talent for Christ and steward it well, we have to let my love for the master be the source of my passion, we have to let our love for the master be the source of our passion. Talent without passion and initiative goes unused and underdeveloped. Listen, Paul did not lack passion and initiative, but he had, to challenge, he had to channel it in the right direction. He had to channel it in the right direction. We see this in Philippians 3, 7 through 9, where Paul says this, and this is long after the Damascus Road experience. In Philippians, Paul's writing from prison, right? And he says, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness, right? I no longer rely on my own talents, on my own abilities, on my own goodness through obeying the law, rather I become righteous through faith in Christ, for God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. And so the question is, what's your motivation? What's your driving factor? What is the thing moving you? What is the thing that moves your emotions? What are the th- is the thing that moves your mind? What is the thing that moves you to action? Without the right motivation, your talent is meaningless, right? Remember the servant that was called wicked and lazy? It was because he didn't have enough passion to drive him in the right direction. Because his passion and his initiative was not aligned with the masters. Paul went on this journey from the Damascus Road when he was persecuting Christ to where his only desire was to be close to Christ. And he considered everything else in life secondary. Secondary. Listen, where love and passion lack excuses abound. Where love and passion lack excuses abound. Well, I would be close to Christ, but my schedule's just too busy. Well, I would be close to Christ and do what God has called me to do, but this season of life is just too nuts. Listen, where love and passion lack excuses abound, but love conquers hurdles. Love Always finds a way. First Corinthians thirteen seven. Love never gives up. It never loses faith. It's always hopeful. It endures through every circumstance. And so, what do I want to gently and lovingly encourage you to do when it comes to talent and initiative and passion? I want to encourage you to, this morning to get on God's heartbeat and kick apathy in the teeth. Let God's passion rise up in you. If you have to memorize that verse, Philippians 3, 7 through 9, and just put that on repeat every day until that gets deep down in your heart and until, until, man, passion for Christ and his word is all that pours out of you and it fuels your talents and it fuels your schedule and it fuels your calendar and it is just all-consuming in your life, then do it. But do whatever it takes to fall in love with Jesus. To get the heart of God, to see things the way God does, and to have the same heartbeat as God has. Man, when you have passion and initiative that comes from the Father, it brings your talents to life and gives them purpose and longevity. Number three, as we close today, remember that talent is nothing without character. Remember that your talent doesn't mean squat without character, without integrity. Here's a few quotes that I just love: "Talent will all only take me as far as my character can keep me." Have you ever seen a sports star or somebody on the national stage that is just like skyrocketing up, and then they have a personal moral failure, and they just immediately tank. Have you ever seen in a leader's life when when influence and respect and trust takes a long time to build and they reach this level of trust and respect in your life and with one mistake they lose it all Maybe you've been there Maybe in your marriage or maybe in your in your uh, relationships in life you mean you've you've had all these years of good and then Because of a character mishap, trust is broken. That's the same thing with talent. It becomes nothing without good character. Your talent might get you there, but your character will keep you there. Right? And this is my favorite one. I think Christine Kane uh, said this. She said, the talent that is on you will destroy you if what's in you can't sustain you. I've seen a lot of young leaders over the years and for some reason, especially in like the music realm because music is very upfront and it's like, oh, he can sing, throw him on stage and let him lead spiritually. And so somebody gets thrown into a place, a very public place of prominence and they're leading people in worship only to find out that the character can't sustain the position that they've attained. And the fallout is damaging but when God puts talents in your life he puts them there for his glory not for yours and your character and being a person of your word and being a person of integrity and following through and not just doing what you think is right but what God thinks is right is the thing that is going to maximize your talent more than anything else Paul Shows this in Philippians 4, 12 through 14 when he said this. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Even so, and he's talking to the Philippians, you have done well to share with me in my present difficulty Listen, a lot of times people quote that verse and they're like, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And so, man, I'm going to go out and I'm going to get an A on this test. I'm going to squash it. I'm going to conquer this, right? And man, it's great if you get an A on the test. But it's even better if you stay true to God's word in the hardest of hard times. If you learn to be content in every situation. If you become so built on the foundation that is Christ that nothing can shake you. This will hold your life intact like nothing else will. Remember when I talked about in the beginning how talent is fickle? Like you might be good at this one day and in a few years you might not. But here's what's not, fickle. Always saying yes to Jesus making a choice to always be obedient to Jesus, regardless of your talent, regardless of how good you are, regardless of how good other people think you are. Because if you know that you're doing the right thing by Jesus, nothing else matters. And that's where Paul got. He got it so deep down in his being that even though he had done all kinds of horrible things, he had thrown people in jail, people had died because of his actions. And he probably was carrying around guilt and regret like you can not imagine. You can imagine that Paul must have felt like he just wanted to go crawl in a hole and die because of all the things he had done. But no, he had, he had come to a place of contentment and purpose Why? Because he could do all things through Christ who gives him strength. That's where Jesus wants to take you. That's where Jesus wants to take me. He doesn't want my life built on my talents or my abilities or my righteousness. He wants my life built on him. So I don't know about you, but I'm gonna do my best to not let my circumstances deter me from maximizing maximizing my God given potential. Paul's newfound talent of saying yes to Jesus ultimately took him to prison and then death. Have I mentioned today that God's view of talent might be a little bit different and our purpose might be a little bit different than your view and my view? God's perspective is so much bigger. So what kind of pain, what kind of hardship, what kinds of circumstances are you willing to endure to maximize God's investment in your life? In 2 Timothy 1 says 6, Paul um, asked Timothy, he says, This is why I remind you to fan into flames the spiritual gift that God gave you when I laid my hands on you, right? To fan it into flame. Man, it takes work to keep a fire going. It keeps work, it takes work to keep a fire blazing and to make it go. R- really? I was with some guys last night and they had that fire roaring, man. It was just perfect. It was, but it takes work. If you walk away and don't think about it and don't try and don't put effort into your relationship with Jesus, that's, that's the coals are just going to get lower and lower and lower until they finally go out. So what do we got to be faithful to? We got to be faithful to obedience. To obedience. To saying, Jesus, wherever you want to take me, whatever you want to do, you're the one that can maximize my talents and my gifts, and I'm going to say yes to you. I love the example of Moses in the Old Testament when Jesus, or when God looked at him and said, what's in your hand? And what did he have in his hand? He had a stick. He had a staff. And he said, well, God, I got a stick in my hand. I got a staff. And so God said, throw it on the ground. And only when Moses used that ordinary thing in his hand in obedience to God. Did God do the miraculous? And if you remember, he throws the staff on the hand, it turned into a serpent. He picked it up by the tail, and it turned back into a stick. And that was the first of many miracles that God did through the life of Moses because he continued to be obedient. You see, your talents might be like me and just be something ordinary. You might be the person that showed up for the eighth grade basketball team and got cut. You might be the person that showed up for the job interview and you were told you weren't good enough. You didn't have enough experience. You weren't this or you weren't that. You might think that what's in your hand is mediocre and second best and not good enough. And so you might've arrived at the place in your life of just apathy when you're like, man, God, this is who I am and I'm just gonna have to live with it till I die and so you're just kinda walking through life. That's not God's plan for you. You can believe in God and who God says he is. You can get passion and initiative instilled by in you by the Father and you can live out godly character by continuing to be obedient to God and God is gonna maximize your talents for his glory. Make your life so much more than you could ever have imagined. And so maybe you think your talent is just a stick. What do you have to do today? I've got to hold on. I've got to stay focused. I've gotta grow no matter what. I've gotta love Jesus passionately. I gotta figure out what God is blessing and pour all my talents into that. I've gotta be disciplined. I've gotta minimize distractions in my life. I've gotta treat every day like it matters. I've gotta be a person of my word. I've gotta be completely and quickly obedient to Jesus. Why? Because my life and my heart and my talents belong to him. Why? Because my abilities are his. Why? Because my dreams are birthed by him. Why? Because my potential is found in him. My success is his. He already bore my failure. He is the source of my success, and my talent means nothing without him. Can I get an amen? Amen. Bow your heads. Close your eyes with me today. Where are you at? Where are you at? Do you need to take that first step of belief? Belief and who God says you are, and who God says he is, and the fact that he died for you on the cross, he rose again on the third day, and you have an opportunity to step into a life-changing relationship with him, just like Saul did on the road to Damascus. Where are you at? If that's you and you say, Joe, man, I realize today what I believe about God is the most important thing about me and you wanna place your belief and your trust in Jesus Christ today. If that's you with no hesitation, nobody looking around, this is between you and God, but with no hesitation, lift your hand to heaven and say, Jesus, that's me. I'm putting my faith, I'm putting my trust in you today. I'm believing in you. If you're at home watching online right now, you know, who cares who's in the living room? Put that hand up to God as a symbol saying, Jesus, my life is yours. I give you everything that I am, amen, amen. If that's you, you can begin to pray this prayer after me today. Jesus, I put my trust in you. I believe that you rose from the dead. I believe you died on the cross for me. I wanna live for you with everything I got. Jesus, I want my belief in you to drive my talents. I want my passion for you to drive my talents and want my, my character to drive my talents. I wanna be obedient to you, Jesus. Help me, Lord, to live all the days of my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, if you're here today, maybe you've been serving Jesus a long time. And you're like, Joe, I've slipped into a, a season of apathy. I've slipped into a season of, of just tiredness. I've slipped into a season where my circumstances have got the best of me. And man, I wanna step forward. I wanna step into obedience. Regardless of how I feel, I wanna know what's real in, in, in Christ. And I wanna step into a season of, of being invigorated by the Spirit of God. I wanna step into a season of doing what God has ta- called me to do, even if I think it's just a stick. If that's you, my hands up raise your hand with me today and let's pray together as we close. God, we give our lives to you. Every talent that you've given, given us, we lay at the foot of the cross. Everything that you've called us to do in life, Jesus, we want to say yes. We want to quickly obey. Jesus, without hesitation, we want to be consumed with passion and initiative that comes straight from the Spirit of God. And so we give our lives to you with everything we got. We don't want to live mediocre lives. We don't want to live lives that are just, that you know, we're just going through the motions. Jesus, we want to live a life of faith, we want to live a life uh, through the power of your Holy Spirit as conquerors, as people that rise above, people that take take life head on and give glory and honor to the Father, in Jesus' name. And so help us to not move forward with any kind of apprehension. Jesus, help us to say yes and be obedient to you confidently, in Jesus' name. Amen. Stand with me today. Some guys that are on my board and, and um, elders are gonna come up front. If you need prayer, after I dismiss, you can come get prayer today for anything, whether it's in regards to the message or not. Um, it, they're, they're just available for you today. Uh, but I'm gonna pray a prayer blessing and I encourage you before you go today, our ushers are at the doors and the way out if you need to give and worship God in that way. If you need to, to talk, talk to somebody, there'll be somebody at the info center out back or you can come find me or one of the guys. But man, we're so glad that you're here today. Um, Jesus loves you so much. He loves you so much, and more than anything else, that's what I want you to know. And so let me pray a prayer blessing before you go. God, I thank you for your people. I pray that they just experience your love and your acceptance and your grace as they go today. Thank you for the challenge from your word today. Uh, Just continue to mold us and shape us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, you're dismissed. Have a great week. We'll see you soon.